This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today, I have a good friend of mine on, Kevin Grossman. Uh, Kevin and I have known each other, oh God, uh, 15 years-ish, uh, and, and in lots of different roles, lots of, lots of different companies, uh, and we've maintained a friendship uh, throughout that, and uh uh, Kevin, uh, we'll tell you a little bit about him, but what we're going to talk about today is something I look forward to every year is uh, a benchmark research report that, that the candies put out. And, uh, and, and again, Kevin's going to take us a little bit into the candidate experience and, and, and what we've learned in this particular report. So Kevin, if you would do us the honor and introduce yourself and also introduce the, the candies and the, the talent board. William, thank you so much. I will definitely do that. But, you know, before we started this, I was also referencing how, how old I feel these days. <laughs> and yet we do go back a long time. We um, do. Long, long time. HR marketer and jet powered. Wow. That's right. That's right. Oh, my gosh. So long ago. Um, so anyway, thanks for having me on. Kevin Grossman. I run what is usually known as the candies. So it's talent board is actually the nonprofit organization that runs the candies. We do benchmark research every year with hundreds of companies, big and small across industries, helping them to self-assess how they feel they're delivering recruiting and hiring experiences to their candidates and external and internal, and then actually asking anonymously pools of their candidates to get that big feedback they get access to not only their own feedback, but aggregate data from all the companies that participate in each region each year and be able to compare and contrast themselves. And we do a, a little bit of work with them too, giving them a review of that, but really helping them understand what we've been talking about for the past few years now is the, the potential impact on business and brand based on how they treat candidates. So for folks that are listening, you've obviously heard the phrase candidate experience awards, you know, through the, through the years. And, you know, this started, you know, as an, as a, as an idea of like, how do we raise the literacy and intellect around treating candidates better? So history lesson for everyone, you go back that far and, you know, we, 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 you know, this was the resume that got, you know, tossed into the trash can that no one ever talked to anybody well, we fast forward and we all know that that's a bad idea, but companies are, you know, evolving in different ways and at different paces. And so each, each year, this, this particular report comes out and kind of tells the story of, okay, here's what we've learned and here's how our intellect and literacy and, and also our experiences, here's how we're getting better. And maybe in some cases regressing, that's fine. But it, but it, but what I love about it is you're, you know, it's a lot of data points, and so recruiters and heads of TA and uh, and HR leaders and executives can see how are we treating our customers, which are candidates in this in this instance. How are we how are we doing, and we, how are we doing you know against the benchmark? So. Um, why don't you tell me, or why don't you tell the audience, kind of when you look at this report, what stuck out? What stuck out to you? 
the and just a quick a quick asterisk about candidate experience awards because when this program first started that the idea of it was to do a little survey research give companies some feedback and then those companies who had the highest positive candidate ratings that we found in that survey research we would give them awards and those are the right. only companies those are the only companies that we top publicly every year so there's a lot more that participate but we don't share who they are that has evolved over the years so we still do the awards of course but it's again the big the focus primarily is on getting those benchmarks so here's what's interesting that we saw early on in 2020 when we started capturing the data with from companies that we had never seen before so pre think think pre-covid first pre-covid we was nothing but a growth market right we, i mean coming out of the great recession was when the candies came out of that in, in a sense and started a, you know, a year or two after we started really recovering. There was nothing but month after month job growth consecutive for quite a long time. And the lowest unemployment in decades, especially in the States going into 2020. And what was interesting is that pre, again, pre COVID we had what we call the resentment rate. So the percentage of candidates in our research who say, I'm never going to do anything with you again. I'm not going to do Jack with you ever again. No applying again, no referring, no buying stuff. Again, if and when applicable, if you're talking about a consumer-based business, that was actually increasing globally in our data, um, especially in North America. I think I would argue, William, that North America, we're the, the, the angriest, most vocal um, job <laughs> candidates in the world. But then we get into, 20, then, then COVID happened, right? I mean, it, it, it rocked everything on all levels and it still is today. But we know, when we all think back to March 13th, which my youngest daughter reminds me, that's when school was done. Mm -hmm. You were the Ides of March, which is two that's days it. later. I mean, that yeah. was it. That was Friday the 13th, right? For, <laughs> and in her mind, it's like that we haven't been back to school in person since, at least for us. But anyway, so all of a sudden you've got companies grappling with what to do. We have candidates that are scheduled for in-person interviews. We can't do them. We have new hires that are going to start start dates. We have to push out those dates or we have to freeze or we, uh, and how do we figure out how to keep the business going forward? So not only was it, was it about what, how do we communicate with these candidates that now we have everything's changed? How do we communicate with our own employees? How do we keep telling them that we're trying to figure this out? And that each month that went by, unfortunately, there were those who were furloughed and those who were laid off. But we, but the companies, though, there was this level of forced transparency like we had never seen. Right. Either you were part of that, either you were letting everybody know what's happening as we're trying to figure this out. And that that empathic communication was really increased that we had never seen before in the data. So what is interesting is that we go from a growing resentment rate and a, and a okay, mod modest increase over the years of what I would call the great experience to way up on the positive experience and way down on the resentment. Part of that, not only was it about that level of transparency that the employers have were put into and to keep communicating, they're all suddenly are, and still are, unfortunately, millions of people out of work, right? And then you've got higher levels of people that are applying for jobs and candidates 
you know, they went from they're a candidate market to not. So they're on the whole, we see this in the sentiment that we saw last year too. They were more forgiving of so, the process overall. So that was the most dramatic, not what we were expecting to see. Right. You knew as a, you you knew we, we we went from a candidate driven market to an employer driven market like right. overnight uh, March 13. Yep. Do you um and again this might not be in the data but just because you've studied this space uh for a long time do you do you think that candidates in the future next couple of years do you think that they'll be asking companies how they manage covid? I think for it's a really good question. And, 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 and I'll partition it this way, because I think sometimes when we talk about candidate experience and job candidates, we, uh, uh, and I would say even a lot of us that have been in the space for a long time, um, we talk about the professional hires, the professional right. level yeah, point. people. And I think, I think that's valid though. I think that there is gonna be those in senior management and management and professional hires, and and for very um, hard to fulfill roles, um, uh, that those people will probably ask they those should, questions. They should yeah. be asking those questions, right? They should be asking those questions. We forget about a whole, the whole. I mean, the population. That, by the way, another interesting point from our research that was the most decimated: the hourly population, right. uh, especially in the states. They had some of the highest positive scores last year. Wow. Which did not, it it was counterintuitive, but again, I think that again, there was a forgiveness level, right? We're looking for work. These employers, I mean, you know, employers were putting stuff on their career sites that they usually, I mean, they're telling everybody we're not, we can't do anything right now. Thank you for stopping by. Yeah. But because of COVID, we were not hiring, but we we really want your interest. I mean, they were trying to, what do we do? What do we do? So I think that there are other populations though, that you know, are just looking for work, right? And they're not, they won't ask that question. But I do agree that the that more of the professional hires and management, they will ask that, yes. So from, from the data, what came out in terms of kind of personalized kind of experiences or journeys? When we think of candidate experiences, obviously in a lot of different ways. And so you, because you have small companies, big companies, all the different industries, um, what, what came out for you or what have you seen that's kind of like when people talk about things that are highly personalized, you know, how, how, do, how does that translate into what you see? Let's, let's talk about the conundrum first. The conundrum <laughs> is that, and you know this, because I know that you, you have been talking about, again, micro experiences for, for right. a while too with Canada and, and how important that is because every single interaction with a job candidate, not only we, and again, we always also look through that filter of the external hires, but think about our own employees yep. and those who are looking for other roles and potentially inside every single interaction affects perception and how I, how I feel about that day, about that company and, and that brand and it, it, and it can change right over time. So what is interesting is that the, majority think about the majority of job candidates they research a company whether that's for five minutes or five hours or whatever that is and they apply and that that i'm including internal folks too and that's the end of the road for most of them right that's it 
I mean, that, that is their experience, right? They're going to get an autoresponder. They may get a timely rejection. You know, we would argue when we hear this from a lot of companies today too, trying to make, you know, within three to five days, seven days, maybe two weeks max, but not weeks and weeks. Right. Not waiting till you fill the rack to tell the other folks that you're, you're not, you're going to pass on them. But if it's done in a timely fashion, but the majority of them, that's their experience. It's very limited and it's, it, it's an uphill battle for employers, right? Of any, of any hiring volume in their defense. I mean, that is that there's, there's always going to be, negative sentiment in the foundation, no matter what you do. Right. So that said that that's mostly automated too, again, for any, most companies of any hiring volume. And it's not that the human interaction doesn't start until I actually maybe get screened, interviewed, assessed, and even that's automated too. And that interaction is going to be a much smaller tier of individuals that are going to have more engagement, more communication, and they should, because people who make it to that stage should have more of that. So I think that, um, you know, we talk a lot about recruiting technologies and, and how they are extremely important for recruiting and hiring. We, they're not new, but, you know, especially now with machine learning and smart technologies and chatbots and the ability to do, make better informed decisions as humans, the, the candidates don't care about any of that stuff, right? They don't care about the, the your tech stack. Or, <laughs> they care about getting the job. Yeah, how does it make them feel through that process? And and, and since most of them don't get the job, That's they right. care about the the experience that they have. So, what we saw. So some of the standards that we see every year, which again were the same last year, that were the communication. Can, that's consistent from pre-application to onboarding. And that's going to be a mix of automation and human interaction. The organizations that actually we saw a, a smaller gap between the employers who didn't win the candies and those who had the highest ratings, they actually were closer this time, which we liked to see because that means for us and the data that more and more companies were that at least those that participated in our benchmark research, they were investing in a higher level of communication. I guess that's what my point that I'm trying to ramble on about. No, I, I, that, think, I think that's, that's, that's one of the big things that we did see also this last year. I love that. I love that. So, so one of the things I, I had a panel of uh, recruiters, um, I was probably about a month ago now, and I was asking them, like, what are the questions? Like what, you know, these, these are people that were hiring. And what are the questions that candidates are asking now? I'm always curious as to like, you know, I understand the questions that we're going to be asking them and some of the screens and assessments and all that other stuff, but like, what questions are they asking? I'm always curious about that. And so what came back to me is, um, is in tandem uh, with what I learned from Indeed, you know, their number one search term is remote work. Mm -hmm. Um, which is the first time that that's happened to them. So they're, you know, that's, that, that, that's interesting for them. But what I got from the recruiters was people want to know, you know, right now the job's remote, of course, because of, you know, we're in a pandemic. So right. of course the job's remote. It, will it always be remote? Like what's, what's the job look like? Uh, and, and candidates want the, what, what these recruiters were telling me is candidates want some type of clarity on, what is that role? Is it remote until COVID's over? Is it remote forever? Is it remote until we figure it out? Like, what is, what is the status of remote? 
did, did are you seeing or have you have you heard some of the same types of things around remote work? Yeah, and they, I mean they, the the answer is the employers don't freaking know. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. I mean they I mean because we don't know. I mean, they have, may have an idea of what they'll be planning for. I mean, that's like it's like scenario planning, right? You you can only plan for all these different contingencies, and so to be ready if that does happen. So yes, we we did hear that a lot. Again, I I partition job type, right? Because for right. those individuals at at in roles that can be remote, which a lot mm-hmm. of professional hires. Um, you know, in different, in, in different industries, but not everybody, right. Can, yeah. can, can be remote. And I think, um, but yes, for those who have, when everything virtualized and most of those people either working remote, we, we know we were doing this any all interviewing screening remotely and we continue to do so. They are asking about that. And I think that is, that's a, that's a difficult one because again, employers don't know the answer to what, right. What are we going to do once we um, once we can come back to the office? I mean, you know, there was we even just God was it like last fall when some companies we again thinking that we were going to be out of this sooner than later. Now we're going to have you know ten percent. Like I think I think it was Dell. I remember hearing on um, one of Jerry Crispin's colloquium calls with the career crossroads that was talking about that they um, were ten percent in the office, then that's it until we right. get a certain level. And I think a lot of companies and a lot of candy community organizations um, are, uh, have been that way too, AT&T and many others, but we don't, we don't know, but it is something that definitely candidates are asking about. They're also asking about safety protocols, especially if, if and when, if we did have to go into the office, um, what that what is that like and anybody who's in retail if there's you know which have to be customer facing or on-site you know facilities manufacturing where there's people that do have to be in person on some level still you know what are the safety protocols in place and i i just finished a podcast when which i'm excited about because it's something that um it was three partners at a law firm talking about eeoc suits from this last year and some of the trends that they saw and it's not you know i always like to joke i don't even play an employment lawyer on tv so i can't but but i wanted to hear and i'm telling you the litigation is coming oh yeah oh yes yes it is and it good good bad and different you know what i mean and in defense of whether the the employees themselves or the, the the organizations it is, and it's, 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 we're not out of the uglies. And even when we're all vaccinated, we're not out of the uglies. So right, I right. think, I think that it will be interesting to see, but yes, those are questions that they're asking remote work, safety protocols. Um, and especially again, for, you know, professional hires, management, etc. So, okay. So two questions left. One is, yeah. When you, because you've looked at all these reports over time, um, one is 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 a, is a line of questions of what data or what nugget kind of stood out to you that really made you kind of think twice, like something you had to let me think about that, let me ponder that, because you know that's how surveys, that's how data works. It comes back to you, and then you look at it, and you're like, hmm, that that uh, that that uh, that's not what I thought that that should have been. Okay, fair enough. So. So what was that for you? Yeah. So 
that the fact that the uh, uh, a very um, less than fifty percent of the companies that participated this last year um, give give any kind of expectation indication of where the candidates are at in the process and and what should happen next. And I, I say it that way because it, we, it, there's been marginal increases over the years of more companies doing that because we've been touting expectation setting for a long time and, right. um, and we're, you know, let, let the candidates know where they stand. And, um, but I, I would still want that to be a lot higher. And, you, and, and that's one, because I just, I just think that's something that we can, you can even automate a lot of that, right? J&J did it with their Shine platform. Right a few years ago to be able to let candidates know where they're at. And um, that's one, that was probably one of the things. And, and then maybe one more again would be the fact that um, the, every year the, the, we call what we call perception gaps that we're also looking at. <laughs> right. Well, because, because we, I mean, this is not going to be a surprise, right? Most of the time, employers always rate themselves higher right of course than the candidates do and <laughs> and i want to see the company that's a, that, that's a reverse that would well be... you know but here's the thing though but that, but i think that was the surprise and again i it's going to vary from company to company so i'm not going to call anybody out directly but i can because we don't i can't share that specific data points but what i can tell you is that there was definitely much more what I'll call awareness alignment, meaning this last year, collectively, um, there were a higher percentage of employers that were closer in how they self-rated to what their candidates experienced. And again, I would go back and argue that's probably because of the hyper, the hyper focus on transparency this last year continuing this year that we, that, we learned some things we, of, we did. I mean, yeah. that, the, the thing that I worry about is yeah. that is, is that being sustained? That's right. Yeah. Are we right? going to regress? Because what happens when we go back to some, whatever that looks like post COVID for sure. And, and we're, we're humming along again, you know, how much is that going to be left to go? And it doesn't mean, I mean, there are companies that just, you know, still have thrown in the towel and they're not communicating at all with anybody. But I, again, we did see this greater awareness alignment between how they feel they're delivering recruiting and hiring and how their candidates actually, the only place that's not a surprise. And, it, and this is the thing that holds constant every single year is that at the point of being rejected, when candidates know that they've been rejected, that rating will always be miles apart from even the employers rating themselves low because it's, it is, you can have the best, experience, the engagement, the communication, the assessment, and however far it's you get, still a no. when you say no, that's it. And that, yeah. and that's why, you know, I always tell companies, it's not about, it's not about happy because it's only going to be happy if I get the job. Right. So it's never about happy. It's just about the, the key thing is, and this is what I think the, the last thing I'll close on to kind of round that out is that that relates what I just shared was the perception of fairness was was more aligned than what we've seen in the past. And that means that the, the candidates themselves um, felt hmm. that the, the process overall, again, on the average, was fairer than we had seen in previous years. Again, which is still 
counterintuitive when you look again that it was a candidate market, lowest unemployment in decades, and they were still more miles apart on perception gaps and perception of fairness. But that those were the bigger surprises to this last year. So, so I'm um, uh, first of all one of the compliments that one of the best compliments a recruiter uh, or hiring manager can ever get is I didn't get the job, but I love the experience. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So I, I'm going to hand you a magic wand. Okay. It's actually a, a pin, but anyhow, <laughs> it's a I, want, magic. I want a real magic wand with a star at the end. Oh, right. Joke, right? Right. <laughs> so you, you have, you now have a magic wand and you can get practitioners to do something with this report. What do they do? What do you, what would you, in your hope of hope, dream of dreams, what would they do with this report? If they, if, if they scanned anything, I would want them to read. There's a section about business impact that I would want them to focus on reading that and understand that but be, the sheer volume of people that are going through your, your recruiting process, most of whom, again, aren't going to get very far and are never going to be hired, that all those interactions, whatever they are, and that experience is going to impact whether or not they do stuff with you again and willing to share that stuff. Here's a, one, one more quick note on, on that magic wand part. So that's what I would, I want them to understand that everything that they do, the communication, the engagement, um, asking for feedback, providing feedback impacts their business and their brand over time and will. And there is a group, I mean, there are candidates who tell us every year, those who have an overall great experience and 93% of the North American candidates last year and similar in the other regions, they weren't hired in our data because we're trying to emulate the real world, right? This is what most of those folks don't get hired. They, there's a, there's a 32% of them that actually were willing to increase their relationship to do stuff and to be referrals. And every time we talk about referrals, we're talking usually about employee referrals. That's always key. That's the, that's the main way we talk about referrals, but there's, you know, there's alumni referrals, right? But I did finally, I talked to a company um, before the holidays that was talking about how they, they leverage rejection referrals. And I haven't heard a company and we talk to companies all the time about that, but they do. They actually, those who said they have an overall great experience, they actually, they, they tap them for referrals. Oh, that's genius. And, 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 and it's something to think about, right, for companies. So that's, that's the thing is that it's a, there's a business impact, the magic one. And think about those who actually, even if they didn't get hired, they're willing to do stuff with you again. Think about that. And think about that from a consumer Ooh, I love purchasing it. perspective as well yeah. as referrals, too. I love so. that. I, I talked to a recruiter the other day. We were, we were basically spitballing this idea of, okay, you can ask a, a candidate at the, at the point of acceptance letter. They either accept the job or they don't. Um, you can ask them, and they go in to be an employee. You can ask them two questions, you know. What went well? What did you like about the process? What can we change to make it better? But also the people that rejected you, the people that said no to, at the offer level, is to, to ask them the same yes. types of questions, Correct. right? Yeah. So, okay, those are, those are just as important. But, you know, both, are, both sets of data are important, but it's being able to ask that question. It's like, okay, hey, listen, 
you know, right, not the right timing, some other things, whatever, you know, what could we have made the, you know, what, what could we have done to make this a yes for you? And, uh, and, and just, it's kind of a, it's a continuous improvement, but, you know, it's important. Uh, as important to know that and ask that, it, I would argue that one of the data points that we capture are candidates who withdraw and why. And that's always a small, mm. much smaller percentage that's of our data every year. But, you know, there's positive reasons for candidates and negative reasons. Oh, yeah. Oh, you yeah. need to know both. But the negative reasons, though, especially in North America. You can the, do something with it. it you can. And that the number one negative reason year after year in North America, more than in in the other regions that we track the data in is that their time was disrespected during interviews and appointments every single year. All that's fix, it. all fixable. Uh, it, is. It, that's, it is. That's, that's what kills me. It's like, all, <laughs> that's, it is. that's fixable. That that's just, that's uh, you know, some technology and mindset. It's it, basically it, it, respecting it's people. little things. And so, and that, you know, the, the last sweep of that magic wand, William, is the fact that a lot of stuff that we, we are keeping the wand. I am. I am. I'm not giving it back. It's my wand. Sorry. Uh, now I'm running with it. So, but, but the, the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of what we find every single year um, does not need usually huge change management initiatives. It doesn't need new technologies, although that could have a, that could have an impact too. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's it's self-inflicted. It's incremental improvements about, around communication, feedback, timeliness, mm -hmm. all of these things make a huge, I mean, little, little changes, little looking, doing a communications audit of how, what you're saying to candidates, what, in the auto responders even, right. and the automated messages, what are you, little things, testing even, you know, AB testing like marketing, right? Go figure. Yeah. Those things can go miles or kilometers, depending on where you're at in the world, right? right. Um, with candidates. So there you go. So I, here, you can have the, oh, you can't have it back. No, no, you're keeping them on, brother. This was awesome. I, I, uh, I, I, I'm so glad that we got to talk about the the report and to, and to catch up. Oh, absolutely. Uh, as well. So, I want to thank everyone for listening to the Recruiting Daily podcast, and also thank Kevin for his time and all the good work that he does. So, thank you, Kevin. William, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Absolutely. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.